I have notes and I'll probably refer back to them. Uh, but I feel like the Lord has just called me here this morning to share out in my heart with you what he's put on my heart for you during this season that we are going through here at City Church. Um, there was this iconic psychological thriller that hit the screens in 1991 starring Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter and Jodie Foster as Clarice Sterling. I'm sure you know the name of it, right? Silence of the Lambs. Uh, you may ask, where are you going with this? That, that's about a young student detective who was singled out by her boss, Jack Crawford, to interview Hannibal Lecter, a psychopathic killer who, uh, by the way, himself was a renowned psychiatrist. She was interviewing him in hopes of getting him to complete a psychological profile on a one Buffalo Bill, another psychopathic killer who was out killing folk using their bodies as patch quilt. And that's true. But there's a backstory. And, and sometimes I think when we watch movies, we kind of miss the backstory. There's a secondary story line that adds context to Clary Sterling and paints sort of a psychological profile of her. You see, while all this other stuff was crazy, all this other crazy stuff was going on, uh, Clary's uh, backstory provides us a clue as to the naming of the movie, Silence of the Lambs. You see, she was suffering from a reoccurring nightmare, and that nightmare was rooted in a traumatic experience she had as a young child that involved the death of her father and her being placed under the care of relatives. Now, these relatives owned a slaughterhouse for lambs. And she says she was bothered because she would hear as a young child, 10 years old, the crying of the lambs. And so she was so bothered that she attempted to save one and her attempt failed, but now she's bothered by reoccurring dreams, nightmares of that one lamb she was unable to save. She believed by catching Buffalo Bill, it would silence the cry of the lamb. Believe it or not, Satan has your psychological profile. He knows your traumatic experiences, and he understands what they look like. He knows their triggers. He knows the things that you've been through in life and how those experiences have molded you and shaped you and, and caused you to become the person that you are today. And he also knows how to leverage those traumatic experiences to silence you and keep you from using those experiences to be effective in this ministry for the Lord. Because it is out of those experiences, although you may not know it, it is out of those experiences that God has brought you through that he wants to use you to speak into the lives of they who are hurting. 
You see, one of the facades about church that, 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 has, that has been the case for, for hundreds of years is that every Sunday morning, people wake up having gone through the struggles of their day or their week. They put on their, their clothes and they smell good and they, they head out to the house of worship and they sit with other people right next to them. And as they sit there through service, thinking back on the past week, they, they reminisce about the difficulties they had, the experiences that caused them pain. They think about where their loved ones might be and how, how difficult life is for them. And, and they're, they're there looking for a word from the Lord to deliver them, to give them the answer so that they might be able to overcome and speak into the lives of they whom they, they live with on a daily basis. But while they're sitting there looking all good, next to the person who's looking all good, it appears as though we're in a house where no one is really hurting. When in fact the Lord has allowed us to go through things, that in our going through, we might be fortified with what is necessary in order to speak to the lives of someone else. Jesus tell Peter, he said, Peter, Satan, he desires to sift you as wheat. Because Peter came to Jesus after Jesus told him that he was going to betray, be betrayed. Uh, Peter came to uh, uh, Peter, uh, Jesus and said, Jesus, no, no. He said, not me, Pete, Jesus. He said, I'll never betray you. And Jesus said, before the clock crows three times tonight, you will have betrayed me. And so he told Peter, he says, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. He said, but I have prayed that your faith faileth not. Not that you won't go through the sifting, but, but that as you go through, your faith will sustain you. Your faith will be that which you can stretch out on and, and rest in me and know that I am always with you and that we will go through this together and on the other side you'll be, you'll be better. Your, your faith, I've prayed, will fail not. And when you go through on the other side and you're strengthened by your experience, he says, strengthen your brother. He says, use that as your ministry because there are people who are going through the same thing you've gone through, who think they're out there all alone experiencing life by themselves, who are afraid to even talk about what they're going through because if they told somebody, they might eat, their, their Christianity might even be questioned, right? And so he's saying, Use what you've been through to speak to them, to let them know God is still with you. What you're going through, he delivered me through. God is more than able. He will take you by your hand, lift you up upon his shoulders, and carry you through. I want you to know this morning that as City Church goes through this season, where God is calling us to be strong, to stabilize, and to stretch. I believe he is going to distinguish city church from among churches. 
I believe we are going to enter into a season of warfare. If so, if we so choose to be the aggressor in this season, and this season of warfare will usher us beyond the veil and into God's secret place, a place that will set us apart as a light on a hill that will differentiate us from all over the other churches that will cause us to be that beacon light that will speak to those who are looking for an answer for their lives that will cause us to be different than every other place of worship that folk just go to because that's where they were brought up they who are looking for an answer are looking for a beacon light, something that some place they can go to wherein they can get a word that can transform their lives. And God is calling City Church through this period of incubation where he's kind of set us aside, put us off in the back of a theater where, where we haven't been noised abroad, where he can then begin to test us and to prove us and to grow us and to mature us and to teach us and to train us and to show him, show us himself so that when God exposes us to the world and sets us in a place of our own, that we might have the tools that are required and are necessary to call a dying world to Jesus. That's, that's what he's called us to do to call the dying world to Jesus. In Matthews 11 and 12, it says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. He told us to come boldly to the throne of God and declare unto him what it is we want for our lives. God is waiting on us to challenge him, to just speak to him. Say, Lord, we are in this place. You have called us into this season. We believe you've called us into this season for a reason. And having been placed here, Father, we're going to stay in your face until you show up. We're going to stay in your face until you do something miraculous. We're going to stay in your face until you call City Church to become that which you've declared us to be from the foundations of the earth. We believe, Father God, that we are here for a reason and there's a purpose for us in this place. And so, Father, we're going to stay here until you show up and make known that purpose and transform us and fit us for the reason for which you've called us. It is imperative that we remain diligent and conscientious of this, that the enemy will do everything in his power to steal our testimony and to silence our voice. The Bible says that the enemy goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. That he comes but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I think we 
need to learn how to, and through this season of prayer, be mindful that the enemy will try to show up and cause doubt and confusion to enter into our minds. He will sow a seed that will create confusion and animosity and, and, and try, to, try to divert the course that we're on for the Lord. And so it is incumbent upon us to be mindful of the fact that the enemy will try to do everything that he can to silence our voice, to steal our testimony, to make sure that the work God is trying to do in this place doesn't, doesn't reach its potential. And so we've got to be diligent soldiers on guard, always watching, making sure that we're aware of what the enemy is trying to do and praying for one another, praying for our pastors, praying for our leadership, praying for the purpose that God has called us, for the building that he's taking us to so that we might be, we, being watchmen on the wall, might take on the enemy full force in prayer, believing God to do what he said he'd do. That takes me to Isaiah. Isaiah is, um, Isaiah in the Old Testament is like Paul in the New Testament. Isaiah was uh, a prophet who was called of God, who was affluent, very well learned, um, and, and was called to, to the political realm in, in Israel, in Judea, during his time. Um, Isaiah prophesied. He prophesied about things that were going on during his time, and he prophesied about things to come. And in Isaiah 58, after Israel, after Judea had been taken into Babylon and freed by Cyrus II and brought back to Israel, to Jerusalem, to rebuild the temple, um, the Lord came to Isaiah and put a word on his heart that he might tell Isaiah to tell the people. And he said, tell my people about their wrongdoings. He said, shout with a voice like a trumpet. Hold nothing back. Say this people, say this people of Jacob's line and heritage have failed to do what is right. And yet they look for me every day. They pretend to want to learn what I teach, as if they indeed, as if they are indeed a nation good and true, as if they had really turned their backs on their on my directives. 
They even ask me as though they care about what I want them to be and to do. If, as if they really want me in their lives. I, I, I think during this season that we're in, there is, there is an attack on the truth. We've come up with this, with this term called the, the alternative truth. Um, and, and we've allowed this alternative truth to become normalized. And whenever you come against the truth, you open the door for the enemy to subvert, to kill, steal, and destroy, and to hamper God's progress. You remember the Garden of Eden? The first thing he attacked was the truth. Satan came and asked Eve, Did he really mean that if you eat from this, you're going to die? Is, is that what, what he really said? And so by sowing confusion and altering the truth, he began to change the course of history from the very beginning. You'll always see when Satan begins to move that he will attack the truth and try to tear it down from its foundation and cause people to then wander because there's no light where they can turn to to get the true word from God. But at the end of the day, that is that even in this particular time, that is an awesome opportunity for we who are in the army of the Lord. Because as people search for the truth, they're looking for a place where they can get that truth from. They're looking for people who can stand in the midst of all this, which is a lie and have truths, and be resolute and let them know that the word of God says this. And if you can't stand on the word of God, you can't stand on anything. At the end of the day, God is not man that he should lie. What he said he'll do, he'll do. If his word declares it, all you have to do is believe it. Even if you don't believe it, if his word declares it, it is so. So, in this season where the truth is being attacked, God has given us a huge opportunity. The fields are ripe for the harvest. We are, as soldiers in the army of the Lord, to be out declaring God's word to the lost, letting them know that there is a savior who loves them 
and who wants to reveal himself to them and wants to develop a relationship with them and give them what they need to become what God called them to become from the foundations of the earth. He, he has the answer to the problems in their life. What they've been searching for, God can deliver. They're, they're out there looking for an answer. They're out there looking for a way through. They're out there looking for understanding. It begins at the word of God. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. Ain't that right? That, that's the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil. It's for good men and women to do nothing. And so he'll raise fear. He'll put fear in your, in your, in your soul and in your spirit. And that fear will paralyze you and cause you to be afraid and cause you to doubt and cause you to miss God's promises because you don't want to do what it is that God told you that, to do because you fear of what the outcome might be. The enemy uses fear. God says, I'm not giving you the spirit of fear, but of love and of wisdom and a sound mind. And so you should know that when fear comes in, that if you stand on God's word, begin to confess what it is that he told you, he will allow you to be strong and of good courage and press through and deliver what it is that he said he'd do for you. He also would like you to assimilate because if you assimilate, he neutralizes you. If, if, if the salt has lost is Savior. Wherefore shall it be salted? If, if you look just like the world, if you've assimilated to the point where there is no distinction between you and the person who is a non-Christian next to you, if at the end of the day, when you hang out with your boys and you know they're doing wrong, if he hasn't set you as a standard bearer, that you might speak into their lives and tell them, God's got more for you. When you're out with your girls and you know you ain't doing what you're supposed to be doing, and God's picking at your heart, telling you, you know what? I've put a word in you. I've called you for better than this. I've got purpose in you. The reason why you're here is not for you. The reason why you're here is for me. Speak a word. Sometimes all you need from the Lord is just a word. A word will turn your life around. One word will straighten out with that which is crooked. One word will lift you up out of depression and into the joy of the Lord. One word 
One word from God. Sometimes all we need in the middle of our pain is just a single word. And somebody who the Lord has called, who's sitting in close proximity to us, may have that word. But because the enemy is trying to silence the children of God, they never speak that word. I, 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 I challenge you this morning. I challenge you this morning. Don't let the enemy silence your voice. He'll also take the truth that you've spoken and twist it and use it and weaponize it and use it to cause people to stumble. You see that all the time. You say one thing and all of a sudden when it gets back to you, you're like, wait a minute, that's not what I said. And now somebody's feelings are hurt or somebody's somebody's been ill-informed and are confused, and, and you don't even know why, but for the last week, every time you passed them, it was like, what's, something, something ain't right, right? Because the enemy has taken the truth that you've spoken and twisted it. And so we have to always be on guard. And know this, that the truth crushed to earth is still truth. Like a seed, it will rise again. At the end of the day, if we are true to our calling in God, if we stand firm on the promises that he's given us through this season of being strong, stabilizing, and stretching, if we give God our all, God's promise to us is that he will deliver us out on the other side, that he will show up. Not only will he show up, but he'll also blow your mind. You will see him like you've never seen him before. You will hear him as you've never heard him before. He's just looking for a people, somebody with all their heart who will turn to him and in spirit and truth worship him. Can you be that worshiper this morning? Can you be that person here within City Church who says, Lord, you know what? I'm going to lay all this foolishness aside. I do believe you've got something for not only me, but I think you've got something for this body of believers that you've called me to. And I've been playing games with you up to this point. I haven't given my all. I've been vacillating back and forth on the fence, a double-minded man, unstable in all my ways. But Father, today, I declare unto you that I'm going to set my face towards heaven. And I'm going to stay here until I see the face of Jesus. 
And he reveals to me his heart and his mind for this season that I might align myself in prayer with him. Because don't you know that the strongest prayer you can pray is a prayer that is aligned with the will of God? We do a whole lot of praying. We do a whole lot of asking. We do a whole lot of begging. Sometimes our asking and our begging is amiss because it's not aligned with the will of God. And then when God doesn't move the way we pray, we wonder what happened because we didn't seek him first and ask him, Father, how should we pray? What, it is, what is it that you're doing in this season? How should I align myself to your purpose? That I might be lockstep in your will. Like a hand and glove, Father God, I might be doing exactly what you called me to do. Order my steps in your word, Lord God. Because I don't want to miss you. I don't want to miss you. I don't want to become so focused on me thinking that I believe you're in this place over here and I'm waiting for you to move, but you're over here. And because I'm looking here, I miss you. Because I haven't opened myself up to understand what your heart is versus mine. What your will is versus mine. I haven't died to self yet. Help me, Father God, in this season as I, as I pray and we go through our 40 days of prayer to lay myself down, to give myself completely to you, to open my ears that I might hear your, to be silent, Father God, as you usher us into this, this secret place beyond the veil. Lord, we don't want to come out of this the same way we walked in. I don't know about you, but years ago, I got tired. I got tired of just waking up every Sunday, going to church, listening to the choir sing, the preacher preach, read a couple of scriptures, and then head home. I began to ask the Lord, Lord, is, is, this, is this all there is to this? That's not what I see in your word. What I'm seeing here in my everyday life, juxtapose what's in your word, it doesn't look like you're even here, Father. Lord, if, if, if you don't change my experience, then I don't know what I'm going to do. Because we ought to desire more from God. We ought to draw on him every Sunday when we come into this place. We ought to come in here with a desire to hear a word from the Lord like we've never heard, like we desperately need God to give us direction to make it through the week. It, it, was, it was an awesome thing. One, and one of the things I like about the Old Testament and the prophets is that whenever a prophet came to town, the people were on pins and needles because they knew that the word of God carried, was, they carried the word of God with them. And when they spoke a word, that word came to pass. The people of God were always on pins and needles. Somewhere along the line, along the way, we've lost that. 
somewhere along the way. We no longer come to the house of prayer, to the Lord's house, believing God for a word that's going to change our life. Somewhere along the way, we've become lackadaisical and we've accepted things the way they are and we've allowed ourselves to assimilate and, and we've given up that yearning, that desire to see the Lord the way he wants to show himself to us. See, you have to understand this. If you're truly looking at the scriptures and you're saying, wait a minute, what's, what's, why aren't we seeing today what the scriptures are showing back there? Why aren't we seeing the miracles and, and the healings? Why aren't we seeing God show? Why is he not speaking to me the, the way he did back in? The, the, the answer is, is, is not because God is silent. It's because we've drifted apart. The answer is not there. The answer is here. And so we've got to get on our face and say, Lord, what have I done to miss it? Because I want to make sure that I don't miss it. God is establishing a standard in this season. You know this, the Lord is coming back. He's coming back and he's looking for a church without spot or wrinkle. And he's establishing a standard for his, for his church. The Bible says in Isaiah that when the enemy comes in like a flood, 59 and 19, the Lord will lift up a standard. He'll lift up a standard against him. So where are we going to be in that standard? Are we going to allow the Lord to actually come into our lives and not be those who seek God but not really, really open to him speaking to us and telling us what it is that he wants us to do? Are we going to be satisfied with just coming in on Sunday and, and, and looking good and hearing the message and walking out and just and, and, and not allowing our lives to be changed? Are we going to be satisfied? with not getting on our face and seeking God to find out what he really wants from us in this season. I challenge you this morning. Do you really want to hear from the Lord? Do you really want him to show up? and speak into your lives? Or are you concerned that if he does, you're not ready for him and your life isn't right? Because if you really want to hear from the Lord, then I challenge you this morning to turn your face to him. Stretch out. Call upon him. Stay in his face until he shows up. Challenge him in this season of prayer. As we press through as City Church, as this body of believers, 
that God might show up and bless us like he's never blessed us before. I challenge you, trust him. He is God. He cannot lie. And he will change your life. Father, we thank you. You are an awesome God.